0: Welcome to Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast featuring feminist thriller writers in conversation about female characters who don't give a damn if you like them. I'm Lane Fargo, and I'm here with Kristen Lepianka, Hello. And Wendy Hurd. Hello. And today, we are going to talk about all things Pride, since we are all queer ladies writing queer books. We thought Ooh. it would be super fun to talk about this for a little bit. So happy
1: Pride! Happy, happy pride. pride!
0: So, what are you bitches doing for Pride?
1: Well, um, Pride... The official Pride weekend here in Columbus was last weekend, and I was out of town for it, Uh, so I missed that entirely, but I was in Seattle, where they are very much into Pride, and we saw a number of crosswalks that were painted like rainbows, and I was like, oh, that's so cool for Pride, and then we had dinner with one of Joanna's friends, and she was like, oh, no, that's like that all year round, so (laughs) it was the right place to go during June. (laughs)
0: all your pride. Yeah, there's a neighborhood in Chicago that does. They like tie these rainbow ribbons around all the trees. It's really cool. I like seeing that every year. But I am like I hate crowds. I hate people. I've only been to the <laughs> to the Pride parade in Chicago once cuz it's just like my actual nightmare. Not because it's pride, but because it's a parade and there are too many people well, there. I mean, so I fr- just
1: parades in general are like mm. Right?
2: Yeah, like <laughs> why? <laughs> right? I feel like, too much fun. Um, I I feel like the the whole pride thing is really like an extroverted thing. I mean, it's yeah. not. It's like, what about us introverted queers who want to sit in darkness and talk on podcasts so that we don't have to see people in person? That's what we're <laughs> doing
0: right now. Yeah. Like, I love you all Our so much. Our own personal much. pride
1: parade. <laughs> the, the electronic but, parade. <laughs> I know Um, since
0: I wear like only black, I'm not a big fan of all the rainbow stuff. And I really don't like the bisexual flag, which is like blue and pink and purple. I'm like, I am very proud to be bisexual, but like I cannot (laughs) wear those colors or even like have them around me. So Wendy, you had a great solution for this, though. This is our solution. So yes,
2: our solution is that for the month of Pride, um, the introverted queers are going to steal the Jolly Roger, the pirate flag, (laughs) and that will be our Pride flag for the month of June for us who hate the bright colors. Yes,
0: we're very proud, but we just want everything to be dark and morose, and that's how we celebrate. Like, we could
2: have a Pride party in, like, a a haunted castle. I'd be fine with that
1: that would be fun fun. yeah now see i don't mind the bright colors of the flag am i allowed to fly the jolly roger in addition to absolutely yes okay great excellent i'm I'm in then
2: okay yeah (laughs) because you know i mean like the whole like yay and then like running around and skipping with rainbows like i i would i'm sure everyone would love to see us do that just for fun it's not (laughs) going to happen i mean skipping
1: no
0: (laughs) just no I painted my nails like rainbow colors once. Well, I think the year I went to the Pride Parade. <laughs> once? we, Yeah, like once. Do you guys still want to know me or am I off the podcast? <laughs> <It's>
2: <laughs> can okay. I tell you, you like, my, my favorite Pride Parade thing that happened to me one time? I was like 20. I was in a relationship with a, a girl and we went up to San Francisco for Pride. And I was working at the time at Trader Joe's. And so I'm I'm on Market Street. It's San Francisco Pride is like if you could imagine. I mean, it's it's like the whole city explodes, like Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm, and sure. so I'm I'm at the front of the Pride parade, and I look up behind me, and there is a man. Um, he has climbed a, a lamp. He has climbed a streetlight, and he's wearing only chaps, and that's it. So he has butt cheeks <laughs> hanging out, and he's got a motorcycle hat, and he's dangling from the streetlight flying a rainbow flag and dancing somehow like it's a feat of athleticism and he looks down at me and it's my boss from trader joe's
1: (laughs) oh that's amazing
2: and i was like hi steven
1: (laughs) that's the best oh my god see we
0: should go we should go to these parades and we'll have better stories but there's just too many people
1: Yeah, a few years ago here in Columbus, uh, the Pride Parade it was like the it was like dedicated it was like I think it was dedicated to dedicated to our allies. or It was like the year of the ally. Oh, no. <laughs> it was like wait what? wait a what? second we wait don't... so it's
2: like Women's History Month dedicated to the husbands. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> it was really strange. Like, I mean, nice. yes, allies are important, but also like, come on, this is.
0: No. We don't need to like celebrate them. We can like thank them, I guess. Right. Or just
2: like every- Congratulations I don't know. for being a normal person. Right. Yeah. For <laughs>
1: Congratulations doing the, the for being normal. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like a lot of the time, um, like big parts of the parade, at least here, are like the corporate sponsors of Pride, which like it's really it's great for those companies to have to give their employees like Money or to print T-shirts to go be in this parade, but it's also like you're just throwing out pens with your bank's name on it. Right? Like (laughs) that's not, and that is not related to pride. That is marketing, and that's a little strange. It's
2: almost like they've decided we're finally a demographic worth marketing to, or something. Mm -hmm. And it sometimes feels like the most pandering thing ever in the world. Yes, it really does. It's
0: kind of changing in the publishing industry, though, too, isn't it? I mean, I feel like they're realizing there is more of an audience for queer books, and so more of them are being sold and marketed and everything. But yeah, it is like, it just, it's like it becomes very corporate and like they're doing this not because they believe in pride necessarily, but just to make money. But you know, I like money too, so I get it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, like money is great. And like they're in business To make money, and so it, like, it makes sense, but it's also kind of, like, frustrating that it required, like, proof of there being money to be made in this area for them to take a bold step to do it, because, like, we all know that representation matters, so, like, having queer characters in books that are being published now is amazing of course and that representation is going to you know change the world bit by bit but at the same time it's like you could have done that before you knew that you could make a fortune that way like come on yeah Mm
2: -hmm. and I think there's a difference between like oh good we're gonna see queer characters in books that's really awesome to see yourself in books it's not it wasn't like that before between that and like the the display of rainbow listerine I saw at Target, <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, "Why do I need? Uh, fucking, I don't understand." So I was like san- standing there, mad dogging this end cap of listerine in Target like for a while. Was it
0: just the label that was rainbow, or did they somehow make the listerine itself like bright rainbow
2: colors? It was the label. They had like just done a rainbow wrap, so I almost felt like <laughs> That's lazy. Yes, That's lazy. it was like Come on, a I want rainbow of... listerine. Yes, <clears throat> and I was just like.
1: Stupid! No, no,
2: this is what I'm talking about. Like standing there by myself in Target.
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw a display at DSW um, where I I used to work in marketing. So like I know the way the marketing machine of DSW operates. Um, they had these posters that said. DSW loves pride. Every pair is perfect, and like that just like really
2: like pair of balls and pair of boobs or what? Like <laughs> right. that is
1: my immediate thought. I just think of <laughs> <sense> immediately. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like like first of all, not all queer people are part of a pair. Like some queer people are just a just a single so like, oh no
2: so you're wrong about that because you can't be queer unless you're actively having sex with the person you're attracted so it's like if you're by if you're not actively having sex with all the genders you say you're attracted to then you're actually not did you know that <laughs> <laughs> those are the rules kristen <laughs> so the rules of the world i didn't invent this
1: <laughs> that's how it works Hi, i think you
2: have to have sex daily with all of the genders you're attracted to
1: in order to like keep so your membership
2: yeah, it so is tiring. tiring, but it's the only way to keep up your identity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, we were going to talk a little bit about um, the very queer thing that first brought us all together. And it's sort of like the origin story of this podcast. Um, yes. Kristen, do you want You were the one who. Yeah,
2: you were the one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. All uh,
1: yes. So, the thing that really brought us together was. Uh, I had been looking into the submission guidelines for the um, Lambda Literary Awards, the Lammies, and they have categories for gay mystery, they have categories for lesbian mystery, um, but they didn't have a category for bi mystery or even just for an overarching queer mystery. So it sort of required in order to like submit a book, you had to like pick gay or lesbian like that was decide if it was
2: more gay or more straight and if it was more gay you got to submit it kind of a thing like hmm, right yeah right tough
1: so um and the funny thing is in some other genres like i think fantasy they did have a queer fantasy category so like it could be that just that there happened to be a lot of gay and lesbian mysteries and there maybe are not quite so many fantasy i don't know but like the to have to have those categories separated out is kind of, is kind of strange. And I had contacted them to inquire and the response that I got was sort of like, you can submit to the lesbian mystery if there is enough lesbian content in the book. And it's just like, well, what, my book doesn't have any lesbian content because my character is bi. So like, <laughs> you know what? what? That,
2: like, that's a hard, it's a hard thing to hear, right? Is there enough lesbian? Like, I feel like have, how many times have we been asked that in our lives? Does your life have enough lesbian content to qualify?
1: <laughs> right. You know? I don't know.
2: Like what's enough lesbian content? Are we like talking about how many people I've slept with or how many times or how many people I've looked at? Like what's the, what are the qualifiers here?
1: You know, it's like, Like, people who think, oh, when you're bi, if you're in a relationship with the same gender, then your relationship is lesbian. And if you're in a relationship with someone of the opposite gender, then that means your relationship is straight. When actually, like, no, all the relationships are bi because Mm -hmm. I'm bi. (laughs) So it's just kind of, like, surprising that a queer organization still required that sort of, quote, lesbian content, unquote thing yeah
0: so you emailed wendy and me or actually i think you like put out on twitter you were like where am i like by lady mystery writers yes (laughs) (laughs) um and then we had like a fast and furious email thread about it and ended up uh talking about a bunch of different things and eventually forming this podcast so
2: it brought us all together it did i often have felt like that pressure to either have something fit into that like is this a gay experience is this a straight experience or i've struggled to find a way to explain to people that like you're not halfway between gay and straight you're as gay as a gay person and as straight as a straight person you're like a whole different species it's right. not you know right. it's not like not...
1: in between you're no i'm a not like different half
2: attracted to women and like half attracted to men or something and like people really often have talked like asked me a lot of questions about that try to make it make sense like it's, it's caused a lot of, I think, bisexual people to want to be closeted because it's just – it's exhausting to do that constant explaining that comes with just trying to be out, and that's a really complicated thing.
1: Well, right, because when, like, both straight people and, like, lesbians do not recognize your identity as equal – to theirs. It's like, ow, you know? like, Yeah. You, would, you don't
2: have a safe space to go to. Right. It's just both right. places are sort of fraught.
1: Right. And you would, like, I would really hope that queer spaces would be, would avoid making over generalizations like that. So it's kind of, like, frustrating and disappointing that um, they don't always, especially when we have, you know, a word like queer, which encompasses all queer identities. And I think that's really... Important. I know not all people who identify as LGBTQ plus like the word queer. They don't all like the Q, Um, which, I mean, it's fine. You don't have to use a word that you don't like. But I personally think that it's really important that we don't have this, like, mandatory separation of identities like that when, like, we're all on the same side here. Why do we need to drill down and sort of qualify our lesbian content. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, especially with books, it just seems
0: like, yeah, it's like, is there some sort of rubric we should be following? Like, what do we, where if you just say, like, queer literature, it just kind of encompasses everything and you're not trying to follow these arbitrary rules. I mean, I have that question about my book um, like it has two POV characters. One of them is bi, one is straight. The bi character um, has had relationships with women in the past and like her ex-girlfriend is a minor character, but most of her relationships in the book are with men. So I questioned it a lot. I was like, oh, should I like say this book is like a bi book because she's bi, but she doesn't really like Sleep with any women in the book, and like I don't know. I just kind of tied myself in knots about it for a while, and then it made me really mad that I was even right. having these thoughts. Like, of right. course she's bi. She's bi. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah, you shouldn't have to have these types of thoughts. It's really unfortunate that like that's kind of where we are. That you have to worry about these things.
2: And I find that really interesting because when I read Temper, it was just like this is a bisexual book. Like it felt so bisexual the whole book. I I actually had to remind myself that Kira, the main character, wasn't bi just because the book. Just felt that way. And I think that's that's like the authenticity of you writing it, because it just so I don't know, is there enough lesbian content to qualify it as a queer book? It really feels like a queer book, even though the main character is straight.
0: Mm hmm yeah a lot of people think she's bi though and i think it is because the whole perspective of the book is written from is, is my perspective which is very bi mm-hmm, but right. i have to tell people that she's straight a lot and i think with kira specifically it's people interpret the fact that she is very casual about sex and like non-monogamous they're like yes. oh she's bi and i'm like Ugh. actually she's straight she's just slutty it's fine guys
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, i mean like that's like it really um kind of highlights that idea that like Bisexuality equals sluttiness. Yeah. So, like, Which, like just a- the
2: other day, I had that question from someone. They said, Doesn't your husband, Doesn't so, how does it work with you being bi? Does your husband, like, get jealous when you have <sighs> sex with other people? Or oh is it okay God. as long as he's involved?
1: Oh, my God. And I'm
2: like, We're a monogamous couple. Like, it's just, it's just monogamy. Like, I've never had a non monogamous relationship ever. Like right. No, gender. Neither, neither have I.
0: Neither yeah. have I. And I don't understand why it's such a difficult concept it's like if you're straight and you're in a monogamous relationship you're like as a woman you're giving up having sex with like all other men so we're just giving up having sex with other women too or like whatever you know like it's not that (laughs) you're giving something up if you're in a monogamous relationship right
1: like people people in general don't wonder if us like uh A a straight couple is monogamous, like they assume that they are exactly, (laughs) but what? But suddenly, you introduce, like, oh, someone's queer, that means it's suddenly like, oh, you're monogamous, like, what? Well,
2: it's like bisexual and poly. I don't know when they started getting so confused, was it because Mm -hmm. people weren't open minded to. To being poly, and so they got lumped in together as like the faux pas vert, like sort of niche of queerness. I don't understand. Yeah, I think but that's like, very possible. I, yeah, I don't know. It's like you can be polyamorous and you can be straight, gay, bisexual. You know, asexual, right. like a gender. Like it can you can be any number of different things and be polyamorous. You could be any number of different things and be bisexual. You know, it doesn't have. It's different. You know, as yeah, it's people, like a
1: different. It's like apples to oranges it's just not i don't know
0: why people are so confused about this the straights are very confused they are
1: (laughs)
2: especially because i've always been very like um introverted and sort of not conservative but like i i'm not that i'm not as much as I, even if I wanted to be, I would have very little luck being um, promiscuous. <laughs> I just wouldn't know how to go about it.
1: <laughs> you would to, like to talk too shy. to so many people. I
2: know. It's like, oh, God, he's going to touch me, and we just met? That's horrifying. Right. I don't even know him. I don't trust him. He's yeah. not coming to my house. Well, and as we've discussed, we
0: like really don't like people that much. So right. I mean, I feel like monogamy is the way to go if you don't really like people. Because you sure. one that you can stand. right. Then, you yeah. know, hang on to that one yes. and just <laughs> – that's what I think. Romance Kristen... is alive
1: here on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so so romantic.
0: <laughs> Kristen, I'm wondering, like, what reaction have you gotten? I know you've talked about some Goodreads reviews and everything that you've gotten about um, Roxanne and your books because she's bi and she does sleep with, like, both men and women in the books and she's not in a relationship. Like, what, what reactions have you gotten?
1: Uh, yeah, so I've definitely had people asking, like, why did you have to make her buy which is like such a weird question to me like why did i have to make her a brunette like right you know it's just like well i mean first of all i, I didn't have to i wanted to <laughs> and second of all it's like because that's her character like it that to take away her bisexual identity would be to change her character a lot so it doesn't make sense to me like that's the person that she is and in my writing process is sort of like the characters really tell me who they are I don't really decide much of anything mm-hmm. <laughs> I just sort of let them decide and so it's like a very odd question to me um but in general I do feel like the response has been really positive like I when I went out on submission with this book I was sort of like afraid that a publisher would say we love the story but we don't want her to be bisexual can you change that and that never happened my publisher has been amazing about it which is a really big deal because it's a mainstream mystery publisher and um to have the support to have this character be bi and have to have no changes regarding that is really amazing and I feel very supported in that way um and like I have so many readers who tell me that like they're by they have never read a by mystery and it's like that's exactly the person that I'm writing for. That's how I felt about books reading them. Like That's I how wanted, I felt when I read your book. Yeah, like hey, I'm,
0: absolutely. Yeah. That's,
1: she's doing it. She's the, <laughs> there's yeah Yeah, like it's you would you wouldn't think that it would be like I mean, I'm I'm not like saying like, oh, I'm breaking new ground here, but like there are not are there are not a <laughs> lot of Mysteries with a bi characters like there just aren't like the bi characters that are in mysteries wind up being like villains or like just like random side characters and are usually portrayed as sluts or untrustworthy so like to have a bi detective character where it's like just part of her life like is that doesn't really happen very often and so I'm like really proud that I'm able to write this series and put that out there and that people read it and feel the same way that that I felt about the idea of reading a bi mystery which is like why doesn't this exist I'm so you know now it does like I'm really glad that I'm able to do that like it's so exciting and rewarding that people see themselves and are happy about that representation
0: yeah, when I first read your book, it was like, it just like filled this hole in me that I didn't even know was like missing. I like, didn't know I needed this book. And then I read it. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I've just been waiting to read a character like this. And it was so satisfying. And um, I didn't even really know you at the time, except through Pitch Wars. But mm-hmm. I just was thinking about the bisexual characters I'd seen in like movies, TV, other books that were so clearly written by usually men, <laughs> but straight like a straight men. person. Yes. Yeah, there was like more of a fantasy fulfillment kind of thing or it's more about the male gaze and just mm-hmm. reading yeah. that Roxanne I was like oh okay this is what it's like when a by woman is written by a by woman and it's authentic that's and real. right and yes it was amazing <laughs> there's also well, like
2: you. there's the character in the girl with the dragon tattoo who's bi mm-hmm. and I almost feel like it was done in a way where it was like this is going to help you understand her damage. Like right. she's uh, you know, she's this, she's that, you know, she's bi. She goes home with both. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like she's living this dark and twisted life. And I find that kind of interesting like can people just like not that there's anything wrong. I like that character, but like again, it's like through the male gaze like this is what bisexuality is to a lot of people.
0: Some, one of the things that I kind of question in myself as I'm writing uh, my books is so obviously I write like really dark things about fucked up people, and uh, one of the reasons that I like making a lot of my characters bi is because you can have many more interesting like sexual and That's romantic right. combinations. Yes, but then I'm like, am I contributing to this like slutty bi? Stereotype, but it just is more it's like more interesting like anyone could be sleeping with anyone, but I don't want to I don't know I don't want to go down that path. So it's something I think about a lot like whether I'm um, Contributing to the bad stereotype or kind of twisting it and questioning it Uh, I wrote a whole piece about this that came out last week about like the bi stereotypes and temper and how I was trying I to like respond to different things. Thank you. It was really hard to write. Cause I was kind of, as I was writing it, I was still questioning myself. I was like, am I just like <laughs> perpetuating these terrible stereotypes? And maybe I didn't do what I thought I was doing. Um, it's, it's hard when you're writing these books about like awful people. Like I'll
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, see, but it's like, it's like the ultimate, like uh like by characters need to be both awful and not awful. And so like, like whether or not someone is bi has n- nothing to do with whether or not they're a horrible person. And so if you're writing about horrible people, it only makes sense some of them are going to be bi. Mm-hmm. But it's like we need to have that like that representation across the board of like good and bad bi people because like bi people are just like regular people, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can be awful, we can be amazing, you know, so like it doesn't it's no good to to be like well i'm i'm writing a bi book and all of the bi characters are like they're they're all angels like what
0: what i don't even know how to write a good person christine (laughs) (laughs) i don't know in my next book i'm gonna try and i am like i i just don't even know where to begin i'm gonna have to ask my partner a lot of questions because he's like a nice nice person (laughs) and i'm just like what's it like like what would a nice person do (laughs) in this instance because i don't know
2: I went through this a lot when I was writing The Kill Club because that's a book about – it has a lesbian main character and a bisexual love interest. And that bisexual love interest goes through a lot of things related to that. And I kind of think I was, like, wanting to work out all of my deepest fears as a bisexual. Like, here are the worst things that can happen to you. You know, like, here are the dangers of being bi. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know. And I – so, yeah, I worry about that too sometimes. Like, I tortured that poor character. Like – is that what does that say or you know am i saying the wrong thing or you know all those things i
1: think that like we we feel this this like pressure to like do a good job of representing queerness because like there are people who are looking to these books to sort of make up for a lot of upsetting treatment in the world of pop culture right but we have to keep in mind that there is no like one universal queer experience there's no no one universal bi experience uh and so like if we're writing from our own experience it is authentic yeah. no matter what we put on the page like just coming from our point of view is the thing that makes it different from all of the portrayals of by characters by straight men mm-hmm. you know so a good like point. yeah yeah so but it's, it's
2: like yeah Sometimes it'll be darker because some of the experiences we've had have been dark. You know, right. sometimes it'll be lighter because we've also had positive experiences. Like there's going to be room for both in there.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some queer books that we love. How about?
0: Yay. Love it. Okay. Now, Kristen, you said you read a really good one on vacation, right? And yes. I want to hear more about this book. So yes.
1: I, I picked up this book when I was in Seattle at Elliott Bay Books. Uh, the book is Maggie Terry by Sarah Schulman. Cool. And I picked it up because it has like a neon orange cover, and it was just like a very eye-catching cover. I had never heard of it before, uh, and it was amazing. It was one of my favorite things that I've read in ever. I think. Um, so it is a it is about a private investigator. I wouldn't quite call it a mystery. It's more of like a a literary noir sort of thing. Um, cool. The mystery is like not the central part it's more character driven but it is about a former police detective who uh, sort of left the police force in disgrace after her severe um, drug addiction and alcohol problem was revealed so she is newly sober fresh out of a halfway house and starting her starting a job as a private investigator at the law firm owned by a former professor of hers And she is very much struggling with sobriety. She is also, um, like, she, her former partner, they had a child together and um, Francis, her former lover, has sort of taken their daughter away and Maggie is not allowed to see her currently. So she's sort of struggling with this, like, she's not able to see her daughter. She doesn't have anyone or really know anyone she doesn't know how to be a person as a sober person and it is just so incredibly vivid maggie is i would say um her voice is extremely interesting and like i loved her but the characters that encounter her are like all hate her because she's such a mess and she's she's just sort of written as like a a tragic like a tragic fuck up and everyone's just like yeah. ugh. but uh, she's so smart and just it's a really like witty but also moving story um it's incredible so if you like character driven crime fiction you should definitely check out uh maggie terry by sarah Schulman. the author is lesbian uh and so is the main character so it is very queer very pride appropriate and it's just so incredible
2: that sounds great yeah
1: it's amazing like i'm gonna go and read everything written by this author now because I love this book so much.
0: That sounds awesome. I'd never heard of that before. I've no, that up. highly recommended.
2: I have a queer author I want to highlight that I think is really interesting and writes really interesting crime fiction. Her name is Elsin Cooper. Have you all heard of her? Met oh, her? yeah, yeah. I met her at Thriller Fest last year. Um, I loved her on site because she was the first person that um, I met her, and then we started talking about poison. So it was like... <laughs> Oh, thank God. Um, (laughs) But she's a, so she's an anthropologist. She has a PhD. She's worked in Central America. I think she's been on the canine unit with police dogs. And she's writing these like serial killer thrillers that are freaking kind of like procedural and badass. She has one come out recently. So her books out right now are called Caged and Buried. Um, And they're just really interesting and investigative. And she's, she's like. The coolest of the coolest. I kind of want to be her when I grow up, um, but of course I won't because I can never sit through a PhD program. <laughs> um, so yeah, so she's she's really rad, and I really enjoyed her books. And then um, there's a book out called Wilder Girls by Rory Power that I think we might have mentioned a couple times
0: yes in our summer reads episode we talked about that and it comes out july 9th and i'm like counting down because that's the day kristen's book comes it out is. too so it's gonna be like a good day although books. i'm gonna be in new york for thriller fest and i will not have room in my suitcase but i will make room <laughs> i want both of these <laughs> <Man>. books
2: <laughs> yes and like it's i i am i am just like i can i, I want to like talk about that book every single chance i get it's like a it's a feminist queer lord of the flies feminist <sighs> horror project Um, And that's coming up very soon So if you haven't pre-ordered that It's time Mm -hmm.
0: So the book I wrote down As one of my favorite queer books of the past few years um, I was then thinking about it and realized I don't think the author is queer I think she's straight but she did a great job writing a queer character So I'm gonna shout her out anyway And that is the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo oh, by yes. Taylor Jenkins Reed. Yeah. Oh my
2: gosh. I love her so much. Oh so god.
0: I love all her books. Um her yes. new one, Daisy Jones and the Six, uh I think that's what it's called. Yeah, it was yeah. really, really good as well. Um, and I've read like all of her books going back to the beginning. She used to write a little bit more like um, uh, all her books are sort of women's fiction, but like yeah. the older books were a little lighter, and I, I don't know. I like th- I like all of them. Though. I like everything she's ever written. I think she's she really has the cool. coolest
2: covers too. Yes, she's, she's the coolest.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo is about this movie star, sort of this like Elizabeth Taylor esque glamorous movie star uh, of the past. Who like uh, the book takes place in the present day, and then flashes back. So in the present day, she's being interviewed by this young writer who's going to write her biography, and so we learn all about Evelyn and her seven different marriages, but also her uh, relationship with a woman that kind of stretched over all of that, who is like the love of her life, and I I don't know, it's phenomenal. Evelyn is like this totally ambitious Slytherin kind of like (laughs) amazing manipulative unlikable female character who I of course love Um, I read this book I was on vacation uh, at this cabin in Montana where we had like no internet and I brought it with me and I just like sat and read the whole thing in one sitting basically (laughs) which I was really glad I had waited so long to read it and then read it in that setting because it is the kind of thing that you can just like inhale all in one go it's like so I don't know it's just so compelling the characterization is incredible and like if you love hollywood gossip like this is the book for you <laughs> it's so juicy and fun um and just a really great authentic portrayal of a bisexual woman uh and like the constraints that she was under you know when she was younger and as an actress and i guess the 40s and 50s maybe I can't remember the the era I think that's right uh it kind of goes over like her whole life so it's a bunch of different eras it's interesting to see um how her sexuality is like embraced or rejected or creates problems for her in all these different time periods um so yeah I really really love that book I recommend it to everybody but really everything by Taylor is amazing so Taylor Jenkins Reid look her up I do think she's straight although i don't know <laughs> yeah. i don't know her <laughs> who knows um if she listens to this she can she can correct us right they... <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> awesome so what other i don't know it's it interesting so i was trying to think of more thrillers that were like by queer authors or featured like lgbt characters and i wasn't coming up with a lot which i think is interesting you know going back to how this podcast started that we were kind of a little bent out of shape that there wasn't a mystery category for bisexual books and there's just not that many though like there should be more
2: i was nervous when i put when i proposed my second book the kill club because i was like i mean i can give you cop titles for thrillers but like it's really i don't know there's not a lot of gay big five thrillers you know what i mean or queer or bisexual big five thrillers it's just not There's not as many,
1: you know? Yeah, it's very true. And um, back in the beginning of the year, I started a group for queer crime writers. Um, Yes. So, dear listeners, if you are one, if you are a person who identifies as queer and as a crime writer, um, you can find us on Twitter at Queer Crime. And there is a form to fill out to get invited to our private discussion group because I'm very concerned about trolls. So it's not a public group. Wait, there's um, a
0: private discussion
1: group? Yeah, I invited <laughs> you to it. I forgot. <laughs> well, it's thriving. Thank I you learned. very much. Um, okay, I'll
0: join. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I I'm, I'm, like, follow the Twitter account and I think it's amazing, but I totally yeah. forgot about the discussion group. Yeah,
1: so um, in terms of like, like big five publishers, you're totally right. There are not yeah. too many, but... We have uh, a ton of amazing writers that are a part of the group off the top of my head. Um, Cheryl Head, who writes a brilliant PI series set in Detroit. Um, Meredith Dench, who writes a Ohio um, Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation thriller series. Um, John Copenhaver, who – his book um, – Oh, I love his book. Dodging and Burning is incredible. Yes,
2: it's really good. Yeah,
1: so like – we are there are definitely a lot of writers who are out here it's just like they don't always get yeah the the shelf space um that some of other big five books do so uh one goal that i have for the group is to make like um have you seen the website books to read where it's sort of like it's like a universal link. Like, you, if you if you create a link on the site, um, it'll, like, populate a web page with links on all, like, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, like, yeah. in one place. So you can also create reading lists on there. And I know Kelly Garrett's amazing Crime Writers of Color group put together one where it's, like, a Crime Writers of Color reading list that contains all of those links. So one of Which my Which is goals- amazing. Yeah. I
2: love that reading list. Yes.
1: Uh, it's incredible. And so one of my goals for queer crime writers is to do the same and have a a list of all of the books because like to have a, like a curation of like the books all in one place with links to buy them on whatever store you want to buy them on would make it just really easy for people to be like, oh, I want to do this. Here's the type of book I'm interested in. I'll just buy it because you can make reading lists all the live long day but there's like you know layers and layers that you have to go through before it's easy to just buy from them so like if someone is interested in like a you know a procedural then you know ellison cooper's book can be there so uh, i think that's something for later in the summer Um, i had been hoping to get it done during pride month but then i went on vacation so that did not happen um but i think once that is done it'll be like a really good resource for people who are in the community and people who just want to support these writers to go through and sort of explore all the options that are out there. That
0: would be amazing. Cause yeah, like we are, you know, queer writers ourselves were like very deep in the publishing industry and kind of know about things that aren't coming out for a while yet and Mm -hmm. are like trying to stay up on this stuff and seeking out these books. And we are like sitting here and can't think of very many. I, I just, yeah, it's frustrating. I think a resource like that would be, amazing yeah just the other day there was a discussion i like jumped into on facebook because people were talking about um like the lack of representation in the mystery and thriller space for uh like books by people of color featuring uh, characters of color in main roles and mm-hmm. then also about um queer representation and there was like a thread going where people like I can't even think of any like big five thrillers with queer characters and I like jumped in and was like my book Wendy's book (laughs) but we can't jump into every Facebook conversation right exactly it would be nice to have
2: a resource
1: yeah for sure
2: yeah I love that and you know and there's a lot there's a lot of more progress in young adult than there is Mm -hmm. I think in adult I think we're still in it we're in a space that feels old-fashioned sometimes because I write both and, like, when I'm in young adult, I am like, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, there's, like, so much to talk about. And in an adult, it does it does still feel a little bit, you know, outdated sometimes. I think we can all agree on that. I'm not, like, yes. talking smack. Like, all the authors oh, no. I know are like, oh, my gosh, you know. Um, for sure. As far as the representation for all different types of diversity, like religious diversity, you know, diversity, yeah. characters of color, you know, mm-hmm. characters, you know, of different age ranges, characters, you know, it's like everything is kind of all tailored to this one, like, straight down the middle demographic of, you mm-hmm. know the white characters living in suburbia who are between ages 30 and 50,
0: you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's partially the population of writers, too, because, like, young adult tends to be younger writers, obviously. And then in the mystery thriller space, we're, like, the young whippersnappers in a lot of situations. The genre skew older. Yeah, because we're not that young. I mean, I don't feel that young. No.
1: (laughs) Same. Nope. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) <laughs> Not too long ago, I wrote a piece for Mystery Tribune about... Um, so the Courtney Summers book, Sadie, which yeah. just won an Edgar Award for best so adult. Yeah. That was a good Um book. So, you know, and with the, the queer character, like, f- to win an Edgar Award is a really big deal. And yeah. it's just, like, it's so encouraging to me that, um, like people who are coming of age right now reading young adult fiction are going to like grow up expecting all books to contain such a a wide variety of identities and like that's the most exciting thing to me about it <clears throat> that you know like it's happening in young adult right now which is frustrating as an adult writer that it's not happening for us but like hopefully eventually it will because the audience is going to expect it
2: yeah that's right, and I do have the I do like the idea of writing books for people who, you know, outside that wider, you know, outside the traditional um, demographic too. It's mm-hmm. nice to think about just writing things that are different, you know, right. writing something different, a new take, a fresh, a fresh take. There's no new, but a fresh.
0: Yeah, I think in our genre there is a lot of. I mean, publishing houses, especially a big five publishing houses, they are very cautious and they want to be able to see data on, like, books similar to this, have That's sold a right. number of copies and made this much money, and if they can't... Um... Like, they can't see the audience for it necessarily. They might look at a book and be like, well, like, we like this book, but we can't see the audience. We don't know who would buy this. And in some cases, especially in our genre, it's like, well, you might be opening it up to new readers who think, like, mystery thriller is, like, old and boring and crusty. And now you're going to, like, open it up to younger people who might actually be interested in it. They're just not interested in what's on offer now. But you can't put that on a spreadsheet and like run the numbers it's sort of a it's like an educated guess which mm-hmm. they're not big on So <laughs> um i mean i've been really pleasantly surprised i think as you have Kristen, like with my publisher they have never had an issue with the bisexuality in the book um it's been like a marketing point and publicity point that they've used like they're reaching out to queer publications mm-hmm. and like really um using that as a selling point, not as something to kind of cover up and hide.
2: Yeah. As we've been putting together like PR plans for Kill Club, my publicist has been great about, you know, making sure that we're doing exactly that. It's really nice.
0: Mm -hmm. But I don't know how it's going to be received by the public i mean so far i still read my goodreads reviews like a monster and so far <laughs> but I've seen... you don't get
2: bothered by it like the rest of us do you're like special
0: i'm starting to i got one the other day where they were like i didn't like this book but people who liked 50 shades of gray would like it Ooh, and i was what, like now bitch? you've gone too <laughs> you were, like, far
2: <laughs> okay
0: whoa <laughs> so i might have to stop soon because like shots fired <laughs> that um... is uncalled
1: for <laughs> i know
0: <Excuse laughs> <you>. but... <laughs> It's not, even, it's
2: not erotica. I mean, she only has sex like a couple times. God, it's not like I you're describing every. It's not like you're saying her, her puna and you tasted like butterscotch or whatever the <laughs> fuck happens in Fifty <laughs> shades.
0: No, but that was like truly one of the only ones where I was like deeply offended to my core. Um, usually it's not
2: supposed them... to taste like butterscotch, guys. <laughs> no. <the> doctor. No. <laughs>
1: please that's that is a medical emergency
2: (laughs) that is a medical emergency
0: but anyway i have seen people criticizing on goodreads and elsewhere like the kind of casual sex in the book like that these characters just sort of sleep with each other without like any sort of commitment or romance or anything but i have not seen anybody say anything bad about like the queerness in the book yet i've seen people call it out as a good thing i've not seen anyone complain about it but i'm like waiting for my first review that's like one star i didn't know there were gays in here like
2: <laughs> yeah i know i'm waiting to for kill club it's the arcs are starting to go out and i'm like all right come at me
0: that's like achievement unlocked though like i'm kind <sighs> of excited for it
2: yeah yeah weirdly i haven't had anyone even mention that in reviews no one's even said the word gay mm. in a review really like, no one's even brought that up right and it's like kind of a big part of the main character's deal you know like she struggles with things related to that
0: you know what yeah. I get a lot is not so much people saying like bisexuality or queerness, but the, they say like the sexual fluidity in the book. Oh, okay. Like, okay, okay, uh. settle down. Yeah,
2: again, it's not supposed to be fluid like that. No, with the doctor.
0: No. This is not a sexual health podcast. Yeah. I
2: hope everyone's learning a lot. The Fifty Shades Sexual Health Debunking Podcast. Well, I think
0: that's as good a place as I need to wrap it up,
2: guys.
0: (laughs) 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 All right, uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Happy Pride and read gay books.